Hello and welcome to the Astro Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astro Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Nick Porter. Nick, hello. Hi, John. Today it is the 19th of December, and we wanted to check in about where the Fed is, where the economy is, and a little what people are thinking for in the beginning of next year. So economy in a nutshell, for me, economy has slowed a bit, I guess, since the summer, but it's not slow. And this much anticipated recession, like I still do not see evidence for it. Do you agree with that in a nutshell or you want to nuance that? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think one of the interesting things for 2023 was sort of the consensus view that the Fed would be unable to guide the economy to a soft landing that historically hasn't really worked out and that we would see a mild recession in 2023. I think that's a fair summation of what the street was going, I think was going to happen. And we've been saying for some time that the labor market has been quite tight. And today it still continues to be quite tight. Of course, our farm payrolls have slowed as the Fed hopes, but inflation has come down along with that. So we've sort of seen this immaculate disinflation and so I think the near-term prospects of the economy are still quite good. Yeah. So, you know, for us, the most important thing is usually the labor market, usually where we start. If we look at direct measures of labor market slack, such as the unemployment rate or the underemployment rate, both of those are sort of like 90th percentile good. They're off their lows, but only slightly. And very sort of aggressive levels of growth. Uh, look at the employment population ratio, the prime age employment population ratio. That's a tad off of its highs and still, you know, in the 90th percentile where it's been the last 23 years. People have jobs. I mean, there's a little, the churn has dropped a little bit, but, you know, people are definitely working. Hourly earnings are still tooling right along though they're off their highs as well. So, you know, if you look at like the month on month, well, we don't have the wages and salaries yet for November, but if you look at the one that's released with the payroll report, which is a little bit worse than the one with the PCE, you know, they're still 4%, right? So still real gains to workers by that metric. Yeah, I think that sort of leads into the, the driver of the economy and continues to be the consumer. Wage gains, particularly for low-income earners, have been quite strong, even in real terms. And so there's been this question of when is the consumer going to tilt over? When are they going to start running up on things like credit card debt? And you know, again, I think from that perspective, the economy is still ticking along picking along well. And that kind of leads us to do inflation, which was maybe a little bit hotter than people would have liked to see, the Fed would have liked to see, but still sort of gives us space for the Fed to start talking about cutting. What was your interpretation of the most recent numbers, John? So, you know, if you look at the core CPI, three-tenths of 1% month on month, that's above the Fed's target, probably, for CPI year on year, 4%. I mean, those are both strong. We recommend people look at Matt Klein's blog called The Overshoot on Substack. And he had a good piece talking about how, you know, the good news that we're seeing inflation is not turned around to the extent that it's not, you know, inflation is not out of control again, but it's not, the things we're seeing before is dropping, aren't really dropping as fast. I mean, you guess a little bit of comfort from PPI, but, you know, the mapping from PPI to CPI has never been clear. Never been clear. 
we've seen in the last couple of years, a lot of companies being very aggressive about not letting margins compress. And so, you know, they might like margins to expand. The only sort of grim news for the economy that I see today is that like the purchasing manager surveys, which is especially for manufacturing are quite weak, that we have seen looks to me like, you know, industrial production is still going down. So that's sort of consistent with that. Though, you know, it's I'm not sure I would call it a manufacturing recession at this point. What do you see as the weakest part of the economy? I don't really see one domestically. I think there are certainly headwinds externally in places like the Eurozone and other major US trading partners, but the US economy has always sort of been driven by domestic factors more than you know these exogenous relationships. And you know, I don't really see any terrible headwinds on the horizon. You know, leading in from the, the discussion about inflation, you know, I think a potential headwind for the economy would be the Fed and the Fed met recently and they published their statement economic projections and they've sort of come out with the potential for three cuts in 2024, which the market reacted quite favorably to. I guess my view on that is, is really sort of predicated on the of the path of inflation. And as you said, CPI was a bit hot. If you look at measures like so-called super core, which is services less housing, that's still quite hot. It was up 3.9% year over year. And so I do sort of question whether the Fed is going to be able to cut as quickly as the market think that they're going to be able to, and that in turn could have an impact on financial conditions, particularly in sort of the, the Q1 of 2024, when again, the, the market is predicting you know, a cut from the Fed. And of course, there's space to do that. You know, There's a potential that CPI starts to sort of move neatly down in a line, but I don't think it's going to be quite as clear cut as that. Yeah. You know, the other thing is that things like gasoline have come down a lot in the last couple of years, and it's hard to see that continuing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's down the bottom. So gasoline is as low as it's been since 21. Could it go lower? Sure. It was lower, you know, it was 250 before the pandemic. So, you know, it could go down more, like that's not impossible. But it has come down a lot from you know the five dollar gas that we briefly saw. Right, and I think the other thing that sort of goes hand in hand with that is so this notion that the disinflation that we've seen to date has been the easy part. And what I mean by that is supply chains healing, some sort of normalization of the economy post COVID, and now the rest of CPI is really going to have to sort of come from the demand side, and that in turn suggests a weaker consumer, less flush balance sheets. And I think in order to get there, we would need some sort of relatively adverse movement and movement downwards and in, in output. And so I think that's sort of the, the hard part to come by next. You know, it's possible I'm wrong and that there is more to go on sort of the supply side of things or demand just sort of cools naturally. But for me, that's sort of the downside risk to the economic outlook is how do we get, we've done the easy part of this inflation. What's the next, you know, 1% or 2% downwards coming from? Yeah, I see that. I think that's fair. Yeah, just to talk about where the market is for a sec. If you look at the Fed funds futures market exactly today, they are pricing in, you know, the first cut by the end of March 2024, the sixth cut by the end of December 2024. And I mean, maybe that could happen. 
though we'll return to a minute, like we've been skeptical about the Fed cutting apps in the recession, but like, shouldn't somebody tell the stock market, right, that there's going to be a recession? You know, in almost all recessions, earnings fall significantly. They fall by an average of about 16%. And the stock market is not behaving as if that is as much of a possibility as the Fed fund futures market is. Right. So you're saying that the extent of cuts that are priced into Fed funds futures today is inconsistent with the price action that we've seen in equities, meaning simply that if the Fed was forced to cut or able to cut six times in 2024, that would only be almost certainly be consistent with an economic scenario that's also bad for equities and other risky assets. That'd be my theory. Now, of course, like what I was saying all this last year has been that the Fed's not cutting until there's recession. And the market has definitely decided that's not the case, right? Like everyone is like, no, the Fed's going to cut. And presumably the argument is something along the lines of preserving real interest rates at a not too restrictive level. But like, honestly, like you look at the evidence and Maybe real interest rates aren't at a too restrictive level today. And real financial conditions have improved over the last three months. You know, stock market's up, bond market's up, short-term yields are down in yield, up in price. It's easier to get funding than it was a little while ago. Like mortgages are down, you know, 100 basis points from their peak and the spread to 30-year treasury is at a very wide level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that, of course, the Fed set policy, but it really primarily does through the, the expectations channel. And partly as a result of Fed guidance, expectations are really for softer policy going forward. And that, of course, flows through to financial conditions today. Yeah. You know, I had someone on the podcast we haven't put out yet who was saying that Jerome Powell does not want to be remembered like Arthur Burns who was the person in charge of the Fed in 1970 when inflation was down and then they eased and then inflation came right back. But Jerome Powell <laughs> didn't really sound like that last week, did he? No, no. I think you know it's fair to characterize both the statement economic projections and the, the following conference as relatively dovish. And then we've had a slew of Fed speakers after that. Williams out of the New York Fed was perhaps pushed back a little bit on market pricing, but other speakers have sort of said that you know it's entirely possible that cuts are somewhat imminent. But what do you think? I think you, know, you, you were agreeing with me. I'm going to drag you into this. You were agreeing with me that the Fed wasn't going to cut rates absent a big recession. Have you changed your tune on that? Nope. I still think that the market pricing right now is, is quite optimistic. You know, I think it's certainly possible that we see cuts in the second half of the year, but I think first quarter absent some sort of shock or disinflation in CPI that you know, it doesn't really seem realistic to me or, or perhaps likely. I think that the current pricing from the, the market is, is a bit out there. Yeah, we are agreed on that. So we were talking off mic a little bit about summaries of the street's forecasts for 2024. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So the good folks at TSM Bar put together a summary of the street's projections of 2024 economic growth and CPI. And for those not familiar, this is the time of year when Every bank's research department puts together uh, you know, expectations for growth and inflation and stock market and long rates. And there's not much dispersion between those outlooks. I would say that the average is sort of a deceleration in, in growth or perhaps you know, a mild recession that the Fed is 
able to cut, that inflation is just about back to 2%, and that the 10-year yield is somewhere in the low fours or, or high threes. It's hard to disagree with that based, again, on sort of the where the labor market is today and the, and the path of inflation, that soft landing is the consensus view, and it's probably rightly so. But you know, it does seem interesting that in terms of risk assets, that things are sort of priced to perfection. And there are upside risks. Maybe the economy could keep on ticking along quite nicely and, and the Fed's not able to cut and downside risks as well, meaning that you know all of a sudden the, the labor market falls out. So you know, I think the consensus view is probably well-informed, but it's always worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. I mean, so if we look at they are surveying like what, 14 banks here, four of them say a mild recession and they think gradual cuts in the second half of the year. I wonder if they've done this. People tend to go to the consensus. So I wonder if they were doing this now, whether this would be more aggressive, but only one of those banks sees aggressive rate cuts next year. And yeah, that's see- where, I mean, it's worth noting that economic forecasting is very, very hard, right? Particularly over long horizons like this. And I think if you're think about again, what the research departments were churning out in the end of 2022 for uh, calendar year 2023, you know, the consensus view there is probably a recession or even an imminent recession. So always a large grain of salt with these. Very rare to forecast. What usually happens is that if you look at their forecast month by month, usually people's forecasts start strong and end up weaker as the year goes on, the forecast for the current calendar year, right? Like the years kind of would typically disappoint analysts, or at least their forecasters. Last year, the opposite happened, which is pretty rare, right? Like everyone's saying like zero growth, recession, and then sort of month by month, they got much stronger until I guess, you know, we're still like above trend growth for calendar 2023. For what it's worth, the now casting at the New York Fed or at the Atlanta Fed sees continued very solid growth for the fourth quarter of this year. So, you know, I guess I'm always asking, like, where's the shock? What's going to knock us over into recession? I mean, I guess in theory, like, it could be, you know, pecked to death by ducks and people just like get a little bit weaker and weaker and weaker. And finally, there's sort of a broad downturn. That's not theoretically impossible, but I don't think it's ever happened. Like, I think something bad usually happens. And sometimes the thing that bad happens to the Fed, right? Right. Uh, but, like, that doesn't seem to be able to do it this time. So, and we'll see. And I guess, like, the strongest argument, I would say, if I was an Iron Man, the case for rate cuts, I think this is close to your opinion. It would be in the form of a real rate argument. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, sort of this, this notion that inflation is falling, but the policy rate has stayed the same. So the real policy rate is in more restrictive territory. Of course, financial conditions and, and the Fed's pathway, as we've said, is not only through Fed funds rate, right? It's through all sorts of rates. And those have notably fallen in the past few weeks following the FOMC conference. So there is an argument there to, to be made that although the Fed funds rate is the same, financial conditions and policy is looser today than it was yesterday. Yeah, I don't think you can really argue with that. Dollars down now too. Okay, great. I think we'll leave it there. If you would like more of Aster's economic analysis, you can check out the Aster website, AsterIM, that's I-M for investmentmanagement.com, or you can reach out to your Aster sales rep. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, John, and happy holidays. Happy holidays.
Astor Investment Management, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There is no guarantee any investment strategy will achieve its objectives or be profitable. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice for any particular individual. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investment purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations. Occasionally, guest speakers not affiliated with Astor are featured, and their opinions are their own and not necessarily shared by Astor. See Astor's form ADV on AstorIM.com or the SEC website for additional information.